Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics, right here on Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mount Olympus. I am your host, Hercules Invictus. The word temenos means sacred space in Greek. It denotes a place that is more than a mere physical location, an area of interest that is special and set apart. Our Olympian temenos is dedicated to discovering and interacting with the many phenomenal manifestations of living mythology and its local parallels in our surrounding culture. Our ongoing mission is to explore, honor, and celebrate the mythical world around us with a special focus on non-traditional subcultures, folklore entities, fabulous beasts, haunted places, celestial chariot sightings, other world encounters, magical and mystical personalities, unique establishments, and even quirky tourist attractions. Temenos is currently focused on the physical, primarily but not exclusively on New Jersey and the New York metropolitan area where we currently reside and the states surrounding it, both visible and invisible. The internet gives our Temenos global reach and our cosmic spiritual practices extend it further into the cosmos at large. Tonight we'll be speaking with Amaro Wiley of Hands of Change and learning about Ishtar Fest, which is back with us uh, less than a week from now, uh, a week to the day, but a few hours earlier it starts. Greetings and welcome, Amara. How are you? I'm fantastic, Hercules. It's delightful to be here with you. Thank you very much. I'm glad that you're here too, and um, I'm glad to still be part of uh, Ishtar Fest. Um, for our listeners who don't know about uh, Ishtar Fest and, and you, can you share a little bit about your journey and what brought you to forming Ishtar Fest? Um, sure. So we've been actually the first year that we did Ishtar Fest festival around Sumerian mythology and the pantheon of Mes- um, Mesopotamian gods and goddesses was 2003, which was the year that my son was born. Um, awesome. We were very excited to present that um, pantheon because not that many people um, interact with Sumeria. We then skipped many, many years and, and recommenced the festival in 2016. And this is our fifth consecutive year of doing it this time virtually. 
that that is awesome. I don't remember if I got involved in 2016 or 2017, but it was around then that uh, I first uh, got involved. And I didn't participate in all of them, but I participated in a few. And uh, I'm so happy that uh, the tradition uh, continues uh, because live it was an awesome experience. And now online, I'm looking forward to another awesome experience. Great, me too. I'm actually very excited about doing it online because it gives us a greater reach to some of the other people involved in Sumerian Reconstruction religion who are in other places in the country and the world. Now, how can somebody attend uh, Ishtarfest? It's, it's last for three days. How can somebody uh, get involved and enjoy all that uh, it has to offer? We will be broadcasting our festival on Facebook Live on the Hands of Change New Jersey, Hands of Change NJ Facebook page, as well as the Ishtar Fest Facebook page. And if people want to participate in all of the classes or in some of the classes, we have Zoom links. There is a registration for getting the Zoom links just to keep any trollers out. And mm-hmm. the way they do that is to go to the www.handsofchange.org slash Ishtarfest page, and there is a link where they can RSVP to get the the uh, Zoom links. There's a separate Zoom link for each day. That is awesome. So I will be presenting at uh, Ishtarfest on Friday when it first uh, opens. Um, so basically people will sign up and then they'll connect by zoom and then it'll be like a regular zoom meeting. And there's a moderator I'm assuming to coordinate everything. Yes, there is. We have a few of our members are taking turns moderating, uh, and running the technical details for the presenters. And how much does it cost to participate? (laughs) <laughs> the festival is free to all attendees. We're awesome. extremely excited that we can do that this year. We've had to charge in the past because it's, uh, you know, it's expensive to run a on in-person festival, but this is a relatively low-cost endeavor for us. So it's our well, gift to fantastic. the community. And a very much appreciated uh, gift because uh, you're right, other than outside of Lovecraftian circles, uh, most people have not uh, gone back to uh, Babylon uh, and the more ancient uh, mythologies. And and those mythologies have influenced a lot of uh, culture beyond their uh, boundaries uh, since the dawn of time. Right, absolutely. Uh, A lot of um, Greek mythology can be traced back to Mesopotamian um, mythology that was um, picked up from the many writings of the Sumerians on clay tablets. Um, Hesiod uh, used sources from ancient Sumeria, Sumer to uh, write things. And the hymn of Apollo can be traced almost directly back to um, Mesopotamian hymns. So the gods are older than uh, we think. In uh, Greek mythology, there's an explanation for uh, uh, the the Greeks were syncretic. They tended to see their gods in other people's gods, uh, and uh, <laughs> they accepted the the cultural differences as as masks. 
you know, created for the culture. And uh, the story survives uh, um, in the mythology itself that when Typhon attacked Olympus, the Olympians fled for a little while outside the boundaries of Greece. Uh, and in Egypt, they wore the masks of animals and it became uh, uh, known as uh, the Egyptian gods. And Herodotus, perhaps more than anybody else, I'm not going to give too much details because then I'll have nothing to talk about <laughs> at the end of the week. <laughs> but, uh, but basically, uh, Herodotus pointed out that the uh, Hercules of the Tyrians or the Phoenicians or the Canaanites, you know, as they're variously called, uh, and the Hercules of the Egyptians are thousands of years older uh, than the son of Zeus and Alcmene, uh, who's honored by the the Greeks. And uh, um, he was uh, searching for a way to explain uh, this. And uh, uh, that observation, which he repeated more than once, uh, actually launched the quest for me that lasted many years and uh, uh, was very fulfilling once I completed it. It really gave me insights uh, into my operant archetype that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Awesome. I the festival is actually being opened at four o'clock on Friday, October 9th, with a workshop on the god Pan being mm-hmm. held by Jason Mankey, and um, a case can be made that the god Pan dates back and can be tied to um, Inanna's consort slash husband King. Uh, Tammuz or Demuzi. So that's a very interesting tie as well. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, there, so there are Friday, lots of ties, and they, they, they survived in the mythology and in the uh, Greek literature uh, and historical accounts, uh, you know, pretty strongly uh, pointing directly to specific things. So uh, it's a speculative area that's very well supported by the ancients and the things that have survived to this day. Yes, it's um, in fact, we have a whole track dedicated to the ways that other cultures um, are connected to Sumerian mythology, Egyptian, Greece, like the the, um, two workshops that are happening on Friday, yours and Jason's. And um, and in addition to that, then we have tracks that are are separate. So we have a purely Sumerian track. We have a track that I'm calling Sumerian uh, Home and Garden TV, which is <laughs> cooking shows, <laughs> cooking um, uh, different kinds of Sumerian treats. And um, then we have a sacred sexuality track that looks mm-hmm. at um, the goddess Inanna is the goddess of love and war. So some of the, the things that that brings up. Now, how did you find uh, Ishtar, or how did Ishtar find you? What was your 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 quest uh, that led to uh, your connection with that particular manifestation of the goddess? I really have to give credit to my priestess and partner in crime, uh, Maeve, because she's one of the founding members of Hands of Change along with me. She really had a long-time interest in Sumerian um religion and mythology and before we even started having Ishtar Fest um, festivals 
back in 2003, we were having Shapatu of Ishtar parties in our backyard <laughs> and cross-dressing relay races in, um, that got our friends to, <laughs> it was pretty fun. Um, but she has a long history of being interested in uh, the different goddesses and her, her um goddess that she connects with the most is Tiamat, the goddess of the great the great sea or the uh, great abyss. Uh, and Tiamat has survived into our mythology uh, uh, through a vehicle such as Dungeons and Dragons, you know, where Tiamat <laughs> right. is a, <laughs> an uber powerful dragon. And uh, so uh, I, I run across uh, references to her all the time. I think the way that uh, Maeve sees her is as kind of a giant octopus, and she created this beautiful sculpture of Tiamat um, that's kind of, it's out of Raku, and it's gorgeous. It was in an art show, quite lovely. Now, these types of events uh, are very life-affirming and uh, life-enhancing uh, to people like us who are nourished by mythology and, you know, especially world uh, uh, mythology and are, and are open to the beauty of uh, cultures beyond our own. But if someone's curious, you know, what can they expect to find if they're not into mythic spirituality? Like, what would you tell an absolute um, beginner? And, uh, so there is a, so if somebody wanted to come to our festival, who wasn't really familiar with Sumerian mythology, that's totally fine. A lot of, um, many of the classes are kind of beginner level or introductions to how to think about um, Mesopotamian religion. We have a Sumerian deity 101 class on Saturday. And I think it's a good place even just to come to network because we'll be having a number of opportunities for people to just get together. We have um, the Saturday and Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. We have Ishtar Bucks Cafe, um, which will be a gathering place for pagans to just talk about whatever they feel is important to them, might be about the festival, might be about something else. And then in the evening, we're having um, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday evening from 9 to 11. We'll be having kind of like a bardic circle. We'll be, uh, we, we're calling it Ninkazi's nightclub. Ninkazi <laughs> is the Sumerian goddess of beer. And uh -huh. um, we'll have a, a, like a 15, 20-minute performance by um, a a performer, and then people will be invited to bring poetry, stories, songs, jokes, whatever they like to share. If it's something that's Sumerian, great. If it's not, that's totally fine too. Um, the only thing we ask is that people not bring like pre-recorded things. Understood. Um, now, how about the ancient alien uh, crowd? Because uh, um, aside from H.P. Lovecraft, the next biggest influence uh, in our pop culture uh, for uh, the gods of the ancient Near East uh, has got to be the uh, um, ancient alien um, speculators and also such uh, science fiction shows like Stargate, you know, which uh, took uh, elements of that and, you know, made them fictive, you know, to tell a story. 
Um, so if somebody, let's say, is familiar with uh, those things and they're interested because uh, they know about the Sumerian gods, is there anything for them to find at the festival? We don't have any specific workshops on that, though there's still a couple of openings if somebody wanted to teach something like that. Um, but they certainly could bring the knowledge that they had to one of to the one of the um, Ishtar Bucks cafes and talk about it because I'm sure a, a lot of people would be interested in learning more. I know um, one of our priestesses who's dedicated to the goddess Anana has done a lot of studying in that area, but she's not giving a class on that this particular time. If I wasn't so booked on that weekend, I would offer to give a class. Uh, in, in fact, I, I give that class periodically uh, to uh, uh, to different groups because they've seen these shows or, you know, they've uh, read uh, comic books or, you know, they've come across uh, these ideas through that medium. Uh, so I used to right. do like, you know, expanding uh, – their understanding of the source material uh, and then representing it from non-pop uh, culture perspectives. So let me see what I can do. If, if I can squeeze an hour anywhere <laughs> that weekend. Well, you know, we, we will take pre-recordings. If there's something that you want to pre-record this coming week, we can still play it even if you're not able to be there. Awesome. Um, I don't know how to do that, but if I can get somebody to show me how to pre-record on Zoom, I, I will do that. I can help you with that if you want to do it. Yes, I, I, I want to do it. We, we can uh, talk offline about that. <laughs> okay. To be continued. Dot, dot, dot. Uh, now, yes. so, okay, so, so beginners have something uh, that they could find that would be enriching and illuminating. Uh, people who are coming to the um, ancient Near Eastern gods through various uh, pop cultural sources uh, will soon have something or, or can find something already there uh, that will definitely expand their knowledge base. How about the folks who uh, live and breathe mythology? Well, we have a number of rituals and devotions that we're doing. So the, the people who have all this information already um, might join us. We have a petition to Arishkagal, the goddess of the underworld, in um, Friday night, which will be a Facebook Live broadcast of a small group of Hands of Change members who are meeting at our Covenstead to do a socially distant um, mask-wearing procession to the altar of uh, Arishkagal and the... Um, the uh, names of people who have passed in the last year will be read at the at the goddess's altar, and um, the woman who will be the priestess invoking Ereshkigal is Elsbeth of Haven. That may mean something to some people. She's fairly well known. Um, so, if people want to participate in that, they can get their information ahead of time. The the people that they want to have read to the goddess uh, to info at handsofchange.org and we will have a scroll of um, names of the people who have passed in the last year to honor at that ritual and then we have um, a number of other rituals some are led by some of the Sumerian reconstructionist groups like the temple of Anana and Dumuzi will be doing a devotional ritual um, Vila, who is the one of the 
priestesses at Red Oak Grove, which is a druid group, but they are uh, they invoke. She's going to be invoking Ishtar and uh, having an oracle, and um, then we'll be having a main ritual that's the that will be led by our priestess and Hidu Anana, who is the priestess of Anana, and she's going to be um, looking at the marriage of darkness and light. Wow. That is awesome. And it's happening in October when uh, most people in English-speaking countries celebrate uh, uh, Halloween or Samhain, uh, which is an ancient holiday where uh, the veil between the world of the living and the world of the dead is, is thinnest. Right, absolutely. It, it definitely corresponds to Samhain. Anyone um, who celebrates Samhain would feel very comfortable with the Rishkagal ritual. Now, how would, uh, aside from uh, Ishtar Fest, uh, which is uh, next week, um, let's say somebody wants to start exploring on their own. Aside from uh, Googling on the Internet, uh, are there any basic books that you could recommend or basic uh, resources or songs, um, anything that somebody can start exploring so that uh, when they participate in Ishtar Fest, they're, they're much more in the spirit? Well, absolutely. Well, first of all, I've been um, publishing on our hands of change.org site um, a number of blogs about um, Sumerian religion and Mesopotamia. So you could go there and scroll through those articles. Um, and then in terms of the possible um, sources, there are a number of books, so that may be hard to come up with between now and um you know a week from now i unless you have you know amazon prime or something but some of the people that they might want to look for um ed vanderjat uh which is vander j-a-g-t and i may be pronouncing that wrong um who's actually one of our speakers has written some uh, interesting information about Sumeria, so he'd be a good person to take a look at, and um, some other authors that people might want to search for are um, Black and Green and Brill, and uh, that so that's Jeremy Black and Anthony Green, and um, Geller is another person that is a well-respected in the community. So there, there's plenty out there and it's easily accessible to anybody who uh, cares to look for it and uh, read it or experience it. Sure, absolutely. There's a number of um, books on Mesopotamia and magic uh, that can be gotten through Amazon. I don't know that the you know local library has them, but you probably could get your hands on them. The local libraries now they uh, they're going online a great deal, and you can borrow ebooks. Uh, and uh, also, uh, if the book exists anywhere in their system or outside of their system somewhere, uh, they have mechanisms in place where they can uh, get the resource for you and have it to you in a very reasonable amount of time. Oh, that's awesome to to hear. Now, uh, another resource might be to join one of the um, Facebook groups for 
the Sumerian reconstructionist um, religion. So that would be like Temple of Sumer, Temple of Enki, Temple of Inanna, um, and then kind of scroll through some of those posts to find out more about the religion. Awesome. And it's great that these things are uh, popping up. Um, part of what I've started doing, I, I've always done it, but now I'm doing it more consistently and more uh, focused, is uh, focusing on the, uh, the the living antiquity that is still among us. So uh, I have had on uh, the show on Temenos uh, Minoans of different persuasions, uh, ancient Egyptians, uh, uh, Babylonians, <laughs> and uh, other remnants or reconstructions or re-envisionings or new revelations uh, about these uh, ancient uh, cultures and their spirituality. So uh, if you are interested, I would like to invite you to be the voice of Babylon or the voice of Ishtar. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you'd be on like a few times a year in this way, just uh, basically uh, the information flowing through that channel. Absolutely. I would love to do that. Okay, awesome. That, that too, is something we'll discuss uh, um, between uh, shows. Um, now, walk us through, like, the, the days and what a person can expect to uh, experience uh, on each uh, particular day. Like, uh, um, there's going to be more things happening than a person can, can possibly participate in, just like in a real uh, festival, I'm assuming. Well, we don't have anything happening at the same time as anything else, but okay. I'm fairly certain that nobody can do 14 hours of, you know, Zoom call or Facebook live in a row. So okay. uh, we have some Good suggestions point. on our website about how to navigate the festival in a way that's not going to, you know, cause your eyes to bleed. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> And we will most likely be recording all of the programs and putting them up on our YouTube channel later on. So if somebody misses something, they probably will be able to get to see it again later if they didn't get it the first time. But we hope that people will attend during the festival because I think the presenters enjoy having a live audience. Yeah. I know that I enjoyed greatly with the festivals that I've done on Zoom uh, so far this year. Uh, I've enjoyed being able to see people and interact with them. And in fact, it wasn't uh, that much different than me um, sitting in a room somewhere uh, talking to people because I'm highly interactive um, when I mm -hmm. teach. So I was able to see people or see their names if they didn't put their pictures up. But I was, I, the interaction uh, kept it going and it was uh, very familiar and uh, very easy. Um, now, so this is going to be recorded and people can access it uh, afterwards. That's a very good thing. Yes. Right. Um, so we will be, you know, posting every few days or something, some of the, the presentations on our YouTube channel for hands of change after the festival is over. Now we both mentioned uh, the hands of change uh, several times uh, so far. Can you explain a little bit more um, what that's about? So hands of change is a Wiccan coven and federally federally recognized church in central New Jersey. We've been around for 23 years 
and we hold uh, public and semi-private rituals and classes. Since February, we have been offering uh, Sabbath rituals online, and since probably the end of March, we've been offering Friday night Wiccan prayer gatherings online uh, due to the Great Pause, but the the ritual ritual started before we knew the Great Pause was going to happen. Okay. Um, and so we you guys have oh, go on. Work too, right? Say that again, please. Um, your organization does community work as well. That's something that uh, I like about you we very do. much. We do. Yes, we. Um, so every year we do litter pickups, and uh, when we have in-person events, we have uh, community service tied to our Sabbaths, our um, solar holiday celebrations. So sometimes we collect um, coats or food for people in need, or we um, do a, a service project based on the, the holidays because we feel that um, giving service is one of the best ways to connect to spirit. I believe that as well, very strongly. I know when I do the litter pickups, I feel like I, even though I'm pretty dirty at the end of them, I feel like I've cleansed my soul. Mm-hmm. Th- that, that is something that's uh, universal to a lot of different uh, spiritualities or you know, even people's uh, values in our society. And uh, uh, part of what I try to do with my Age of Heroes is encourage people to do as much of that as they possibly can. And uh, yesterday uh, we were talking about on uh, actually the Ten Fly Mayor's Wellness Campaign show, <laughs> where uh, <laughs> uh, you, you, if you take the focus off yourself and what you're going uh, through, um, and stop reacting to that enough to focus on what other people are going through, and you know what can you do to make things better for everybody. Uh, often, whatever you were feeling initially will evaporate or will be put in a totally different perspective than it was uh, before you started giving service. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I kind of see it as God flowing through you, or God is flowing through you. When you just focus on yourself, God gets stuck, and then when you're doing letting god go through your hands or your voice um the the energy flow starts um going again and you always feel better and you're very public too and, and that's something i admire you for and that i i share with you as well i'm very public with uh, who i am and where my spirituality is and and so forth um i do occasionally run into people who don't like my spiritual beliefs and uh, try mm-hmm. to block me in small ways uh, here and there and, you know, find out about it later. I don't do anything about it, but uh, uh, I'm aware that it sometimes happens. Do you also experience occasionally people not liking your openness with your spirituality? Um, so I have a, I, <laughs> I have a tendency to hold myself back when I sense that somebody is not, feeling comfortable around me and I have lately gotten to make a commitment to not doing that to showing up more as myself and I actually changed my magical name which has been I don't know for a really long time Crow Mm -hmm. um, Crow Copperkill 
back to my actual given name, Amara Wiley, because I wanted to symbolize to myself that it's okay to show up as myself and that it's okay to be a powerful priestess in this world, whatever that means. I have certainly had experiences where um, people felt uncomfortable around me and I used to be part of an interface um, minister association and I was mm-hmm. asked to leave it because um, wow. one of the members felt uncomfortable having me there, a, a Christian minister. So I, uh, you know, not not all Christians certainly are in that boat, but that particular person wasn't comfortable, so I was asked to leave. And, um, you know, that's that was a sad moment for me. It is a very sad moment. I've had uh, people uh, who were friendly uh, towards me, and I believe friends for many years, you know, tell me that uh, they can no longer associate with me. And I would ask them why. And they would say because their uh, minister told them that uh, uh, I'm going to hell and <laughs> because yeah, I don't belong to their denomination. And that uh, if they associated with me, they, they might uh, also go to hell. And they couldn't point to anything uh, specific that was objectionable about the things I do or what I believe. Uh, but again, I don't argue things like that, you know, so I, I wish them well. I thank them for the time that they were in my uh, life and uh, that's it. What else can you do? Right. It's, I mean, I really take that as about, that's about them, not about me. And yeah. if I, you know, I feel sad for them that they feel uncomfortable because you know, I, I'm a very, not a very threatening person, very tiny and pretty kind. So, I, you know, if somebody's scared of me, I, that, I just shrug my shoulders. Um, I don't know why you're scared of me. I, there's no need to be. But, you know, that's, that's, what, that's about them, not about me. Very, very true. And what is your dream uh, for Ishtar Fest, uh, beyond it uh, continuing and getting bigger and better each and every uh, year you hold it, uh, do you have any? Now, now the internet and this uh, pandemic has made it global, also, so somebody doesn't physically have to be there. Uh, so I'm sure that changes your perspective of where things can go. Well, you know, I we're really looking at the future as an as an opportunity to do things differently than we've done in the past. I I see the great pause, which is what I call this time, um mm-hmm. as a period of rest and reflection for all humans and a time for us to evaluate what was working and what wasn't and what we need to to create the future that we most want, which for me is a thousand years of peace. That's the future I'm looking for. Clearly, I won't be around in this body for all of that. Uh-huh. But I, um, I, I believe that going forward, we will have some kind of hybrid way of presenting ritual and festivals where some of it will be in person and some of it will be online so that people who are homebound or somewhere else in the world can still participate even if they can't get there in person. And I, I think that's, there's a lot of reasons for that, not just um, because of the virus, but, you know, I think not going, not driving places saves gas and um, there's, there's, it's better for the environment, which is certainly something that we as pagans, you know, care about mother earth and want to contribute to her well-being. 
very good points. And um, there is also, you started also a Tampagan Council. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, that may be a little bit on hiatus at the moment. But, yes, the Tampagan Council, um, we've had one meeting since the Great Pause started. It's a group of um, pagan elders from a representative from the many different groups in the New Jersey and Pennsylvania areas who um, have similar um, challenges and can give each other support and learn from each other about the different pagan groups. So it's it's um, interfaith pagan, I guess. We have people who uh-huh. are uh, heathen and druid and um, uh, other, kind, other kin and uh, Wiccan, who meet together. We were meeting um, quarterly. And like I said, I think we've only met once since the Great Pause started, but I'm sure we will meet again sometime in the near future. A lot of groups, I think, are somewhat on hiatus, but there's still groups that are functioning. So that's that's good. That that is very good. Um, I'm uh, honored again to be a a member in that uh, company. I know I've not been able to participate uh, very frequently, uh, but in spirit, I'm there. (laughs) And uh, I certainly agree with what you're trying to uh, accomplish. Um, I know that my group or one of my groups in uh, um, Branchville at the Amber Dragon, we haven't been able to meet in quite a while since, and Mm -hmm. I love your question, the pause started. Uh, uh, So we're meeting actually on the uh, uh, Saturday uh, I believe the uh, the 10th, uh, and we're going to have our first uh, mask-wearing, uh, um, social distance uh, um, observing uh, workshop and see how that goes. Fantastic. I, I know um, James Jacob Peary of Osset Gypsy, uh, who he runs a metaphysical store in Frenchtown, is also a member of Pan-Pagan Council, and he's starting up some um, social distance mask wearing workshops in his space as well. So hopefully we'll, we'll all sort of figure out this, this new mode of being in the world. And, uh, you know, on, on the bright side, I really like the masks cause I haven't had a cold in seven months and I, <laughs> and that's really unusual for me. So I'm delighted that I'm not sharing germs with everybody. <laughs> Well, good. See, something positive <laughs> came out of this. Uh, <laughs> a lot I, of positive things. Yeah, there are lots of positive things. And uh, uh, just uh, basically looking at uh, life, uh, lately I've been going through a uh, uh, an underworld uh, phase again. And I don't see that as a negative thing. I, I've never really perceived the underworld as being uh, negative. Um, and... Uh, um, in all the mythologies with my archetype playing a role, it, it plays a role too. So it's part of, uh, um, I guess, my programming and my psyche. Uh, but even though the lessons there seem kind of uh, harsh or terrifying when you describe them, they're really not. Like uh, I've had some conversations with people and they've said I'm, I'm being morbid, uh, but I've gained an appreciation for the moment. And uh, a really profound understanding of the the ephemeral nature of everything. (laughs) Well, I think that we as humans tend to believe that life starts with birth and 
death ends life, but I don't think, I don't think that's true. I think they're, you know, human life is sort of a middle area perhaps, but the, it, it started before and it goes on past. Like there's not a, I don't see death as an ending. So it's not something to necessarily be so afraid of that I think we are kind of taught to be. Right. And all the spiritualities are not all, that's too uh, um, general, but many of the world's spiritualities uh, have descriptions of uh, uh, before death states, uh, after death uh, states, uh, states not living while you're still alive and uh, um, afterworlds and underworlds and other worlds. So uh, our human experience uh, certainly tends to reinforce that. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I think I, I'm not so familiar with Egyptian uh, religion, but I believe that there are seven different parts to the soul in the Egyptian religion. In, so, you know, go on. In, uh, in theosophy, too, that's true. There's seven d- different levels. Uh, you can further divide it into seven times seven or 49 different levels. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot going on. <laughs> Well, and that's true for um, for Sumerian religion too. There's there's seven gates to the underworld that um, the goddess Inanna has to pass through in her descent, where she gives up um, a piece of clothing or an accessory, which symbolizes her um, the different kinds of power she has in the world and her her identity and connections. Now. I've been asked by several uh, metaphysical groups, uh, some of them uh, for mythical spiritualities, uh, some of them not, uh, to help doing work uh, with all the souls that uh, the virus has uh, basically Mm -hmm. released from the mortal coil, uh, and they're not anywhere yet, but they're here and they're confused. Uh, Does your group also do that type of uh, like soul rescue, I guess you can call it? I mean, in some ways, the Samhain ritual is a little bit like that because we are helping the 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 souls that we are connected to to pass into the the next life, whatever that is, and however people interpret that with our dumb supper, which is a um, a feast for the souls of the dead that have that have passed in the previous year. Um, some of us in my group are um, have some mediumship, so I believe uh-huh. they do that kind of work. I don't personally do that kind of work. I'm pretty connected to living people. <laughs> okay. When did uh, I was fairly active in, uh, I guess, uh, you know, paganism way, way back when uh, – um, I was uh, in toward the end of high school, and in my early 20s, uh, I had a group that was listed in uh, the Fellowship of Isis and uh, Selena Fox's uh, directory uh, as well. 
um, mediumship didn't seem to be uh, very frequent then. Uh, but now in my, uh, you know, connecting with other uh, mythical spirituality groups, I'm finding that mediumship is now a, a very important part of uh, much of their functioning. When did that happen? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. It just kind of crept in there. But I think that part of um, the, the, I guess, maturing of the pagan movement in this country has, you know, started settling into some very um, specific roles. And I also feel like this is a time when we are moving from the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius, which Mm -hmm. that might be like a 200 year period, not like a two day period. Um, (laughs) But I think as that change happens, that's part of why we are experiencing so much, you know, unrest and um, there's like a whole thing happening in the new age community about moving from a 3d to a 5d universe so there, there's like, there are all these ideas that are sort of coming to fruition or coming, um, you know, boiling up from the, the wherever they were before. Um, I, there's a word for that, but I'm not thinking of it. That's where all of a sudden, you know, the same idea happens all over the place. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it, it's uh uh, I, I don't remember what uh, it's called uh, specifically, but uh, it's, it's like a synchronicity. It's like a meaningful coincidence. And it seems like an idea becomes ripe. And then all of a sudden it flowers <laughs> all over the place. And a lot of people have the same idea and uh, some of them act on it. Right, right, exactly. It, the hundredth monkey phenomenon, it, it was called at one point, and I believe that it mm-hmm. has other names as well. Uh, there was this theory that if you put a hundred monkeys together, um, once uh, a certain amount of monkeys learn something, all of a sudden all the monkeys know it, even if they didn't learn it directly, uh, so that our evolution um, as individuals collectively contributes towards the collective uh, evolution. And that once once uh, enough of us get to a certain point, then all of humanity um, reaches that point. Absolutely. So cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, wow, uh, you guys are doing a lot, and it's only a week away. And um, yep. how about for the ancient Sumerian spirituality? What are your dreams uh, for that? This is something that in the mainstream pagan community, it's not a very well-known thing, but it it's so influenced so much of what we um, do these days because a lot, you know, we all grew up with the Greek myths and in our school system and so much of our society is based on um, the way, uh, you know, Greek thoughts. In fact, when I was in college, we had a, uh, a whole semester of um, on uh, Greek thought. Everyone in the, in the college was required to take that. So I, I think this is, you know, to kind of see what influenced that is really important. And, um, there's just, I, I think it's it's a it's a niche that is not as explored in. I mean, like I said, there is Sumerian Reconstructionist religion where that's the focus of what they do. But Hands of Change is a very eclectic group, so we 
look at all kinds of different um, pantheons and and um, kinds of pagan worship. So for us, even though this isn't what we do every week, every day, you know, it's something that we will continue to learn more about and um, draw to us more people who uh, have expertise in that. So that's been, that has happened over the last five years and that's pretty exciting. That, that, that is exciting. And the ancients actually were pretty eclectic in their practices as well. Uh, they had regional practices, then they had state uh, uh, practices, uh, which uh, basically affirmed uh, a cultural uh, entity. Um, and if you're part of that cultural entity, if you're a citizen or a resident or, uh, you know, whatever associated, then that celebrated the origins of your culture and so forth. And what you believed at home was really nobody's concern unless it disrupted the functioning of the state. Uh, so th they had those levels. And then as an individual beyond your household, you were free to believe in the gods, disbelieve in the gods. And uh, a lot of the ideas about the gods traveled with traders. Um, and uh, the ancients were very open to their gods uh, wearing masks or taking on different guises. And they were quick to identify them. And that remains in the back of every single magical formulary in existence. You know, that the, cor the tables of correspondence um, that, mm -hmm. uh, is actually a lot more profound than most people uh, give it credit for because it tells you uh, a lot. It, it gives you the building blocks for what you've been reading. Right, absolutely. Um, I, I guess in terms of my hope for the festival and our celebration of Sumerian um, religion is that it will continue to grow and that it that it will become easier to and more joyful to put on the festival because the first few years were a lot about creating all of the infrastructure for the festival, mm -hmm. building a stage, making props, making costumes, make, you know, um, preparing the land, cutting down the bushes so people could camp, you know, whatever it was that we were doing. And um, this, Last year, we kind of took a little bit of a break from that. We we had a festival, mm -hmm. but it was kind of like Ishtar Fest light, where we did a couple of sweat lodges and had some rituals, but it wasn't, you know, a, a full ritual drama or anything like that. Um, and this year, we were saying uh, that our festival would be go big or go home, either, you know, do it up or n not do it. But what ended up happening is we went big and we went home. <laughs> because we have to all be at home. <laughs> um, I was thinking, uh, and uh, with the uh, talks that I'll be giving, and I actually found something, I think, for 2017 that I'd written up. So I've touched upon this uh, topic uh, from a different angle in 2017. Uh, but uh, um, I'm going to be bringing back the lesser Elucina. Okay, uh, tell me more about that. Okay, uh, According to mythology, uh, when Hercules was about to uh, descend into the underworld for his last uh, labor, um, he had to get uh, purification. You know, so one of the ways of getting mm -hmm. purification was to go to the oracle at uh, uh, Delphi. 
and the Oracle of Delphi wouldn't give it to him because he wasn't an Athenian citizen, but he was a friend of the king. <laughs> so strings were pulled, <laughs> and they would have initiated him. But uh, because he lived a very, uh, um, I guess, violent would be uh, a way to describe it, uh, life, he needed a special ceremony. So uh, Persephone um, and uh, Demeter created the Lesser Lucina, so that uh, Hercules can be purified so that he could uh, enter the underworld and complete the, the task of uh, bringing Kerberos uh, to light. So the institution, once it was created for Hercules, remained, and it was open to everybody. So anybody, regardless so, so of... So this is the Eleusinian Mysteries? Is that what, the, what you're talking about? It's the forerunner to the Eleusinian Mysteries. Okay. So... Um, I actually, I wrote something on it. It was widely published and it keeps getting republished. It pops up like in the weirdest places. And we've done like <laughs> light versions of it um, here and there. Um, but one of my goals for this year before the pause, the great pause, uh, was to actually uh, run one. Uh, and uh, that didn't happen. Uh, I outlined what one would be like when I gave a talk at Fest uh, in 2017. So, I'm not sure what you just said. The sound cut out. Um, I, I, uh, I went to, have you heard of the, um, the spring mysteries that uh, the Aquarian Tabernacle Church does on the West Coast? The, there, it's a reenactment of the Eleusinian mysteries. It's a pretty cool festival, though I don't think they were able to have it this year. Um, or maybe they did it online. Uh, but it, it, you know, when you start talking about the Oceana or Ocean, I don't know how to pronounce that um, precursor, it made me think of the way that people are still working with um, some of the mysteries from ancient Greece. Okay, the, that is awesome. I missed part of what you said. The the board uh, <laughs> collapsed and got rid of all sound altogether, so I had to go on through the back the back way and call it okay, as a Okay, yeah, guest. yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't hear you, so I didn't know what you had said. So I just started talking. <laughs> um, that, that is awesome. You did the right thing. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I was talking about the Eleusinian uh, mysteries that are the spring mysteries that the Aquarian Tabernacle Church puts on in um, Washington State every year that they've been doing for over 25 years. Oh, awesome. Well, I'll be putting, I'll, I'll be putting the preliminary version to that. Uh, and uh, because it's very closely tied to my spirituality. Um, so, uh, and, and that, that too, it just gives a different understanding of uh, the underworld and death and you know, the process of living and dying and, and so forth. It, it, it approaches it from a, from a totally different uh, uh, perspective and uh, hopefully we'll be able to affect uh, some change. And because of our sound problem tonight, we're at the end of today's conversation. Uh, and if you can kindly uh, give all your contact information again. Um, I will also put it on the post uh, for today's show, and so people can easily access it. 
Absolutely. So uh, Hands of Change NJ is our Facebook page, or Ishtar Fest is the other way you can get to it. Um, and we have a, an event posted in that that people can respond to that they're interested. There's an RSVP link in www.handsofchange.org slash IshtarFest, which has, if you wanted to do a Zoom uh, participation, you need to request the, uh, the Zoom links for each day. We're having a different link each day. And uh, if you don't want to do that, you can just watch through the um, Hands of Change NJ or Ishtar Fest page. We'll be having a live streaming uh, Sumerian TV for the weekend of October 9th through 11th. And if you want to get in touch with Hands of Change for any of our other events or classes, you can email info at handsofchange.org, which goes to Chiron, our class registrar, or you can get in touch with me through crow at handsofchange.org. Extremely awesome, and I need to contact uh, Chiron now that uh, he, he's he's finished with his uh, adventure. I'm guessing. Yes, right. He, so he so I'll be contacting a, this He weekend. had an initiation. This had to go. Uh, great. Was uh, awesome. it was Greek based? <laughs> <laughs> well, with a name like Chiron, I would I would guess that that's what right. he would do. <laughs> yes. I met him once uh, or twice uh, years ago, no, more than twice. Uh, so I'm looking forward to contacting him again. I'm sure he'll be delighted to hear from you. And thank you so much for um, having me on your show today. And I always enjoy speaking with you. Um, it's lovely to connect. Same here. Thank you so very much. And uh, I look forward to next week. And I will talk to you then. All right. Sounds good. We'll, we'll be in touch. Be well, Amara. You, and you thanks. Well. Thank you. And thanks to all who joined us from home, whether you're listening uh, live or later on on demand. Until next time, this is us wishing you joyous journeys and amazing adventures. Uh, and until the uh, uh, announcements come that uh, shut us off, I'm going to be playing the Bone Puts Orchestra song Evolve, which I happen to like a great deal.